to truly believe in the magic. Hey, Magic fans, and welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Magic. It's obviously an Orlando Magic podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about lessons learned in the last few games. We're going to discuss the upcoming trade window. We're going to look around the league and we're going to grade what is the halfway point of the season. And if you've been watching the slice of bacon, you will know that. But before that, today's episode is brought to you in association with Attraction Tickets, the UK's number one attraction ticket and theme park hotel provider for all of Orlando's major theme parks, attractions, shows and sporting events. This includes selling Orlando Magic tickets at hugely competitive prices, which is why we assume you're watching this. It includes special <laughs> offers on Magic Bands, a fantastic deal on Discovery Cove, a meal voucher if you're fancying Kennedy Space Center, some cracking deals, on official Disney and Universal hotels and money back, which is always good right now at Disneyland Paris. But you'll have to act fast because the deals aren't on for long. So head over to Attraction Tickets. You can also visit letstalkmagic.com for all of our affiliate links, discount codes, which includes the NBA store and Fanatics. So that's that out of the way, G. You'll try to put me off, but it wasn't going to work. Um, <laughs> How are you doing, mate? How's things in Wales? I'm good. I'm good, mate. That was professional, mate. First yeah, take compared to me and you, Paul. I'm oh, glad yeah. Gary's in the driving after, after seat the tonight. You and I had G. Good grief. Mm. Last last week, your entry to the uh, podcast, and then oh, the I think it was the Miami your game. Your outtakes. Wasn't. My yeah. outtakes. Oh, horrendous. <laughs> I think I think it was 15 tries to get the start right. No, no, wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a Patreon member, you would have seen some of those because uh, they got to enjoy <sighs> some of Paul's uh, calamity uh, outtakes. Oh, they were hot. The, the ones I didn't include were, I got, it was about, I think by the time it was done, it was a 10, 11 minute thing. I got six minutes through one of them. I no. completely lost my way. <laughs> Realised I was talking about the the wrong game. <laughs> I was. I think. I'd, I think I'd looked at. For one point, I'd looked at Philly. Yeah. Oh, not Philly. Sorry, I'd looked at Cleveland, which was upcoming the following night, as opposed to it being the Miami game. Oh no! I I will say, it didn't finish with a polite ending. That one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to you, guy. Yeah, I, I'm very well. Thank you, mate. Um, obviously, I got a countdown. I got two mm -hmm. weeks today. I'll be uh, yes. on my way to London to go to the city. Beautiful. So, yeah, exciting times, mate. And um, looking forward to it. How are you? Yeah, living the dream, mate. Living the dream. Uh, it's got through that intro, so it's all good. I'm happy with it, and uh, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought up the uh, outtakes because the word is that it made the Patreon tier just worth that little bit more. This month. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody loved it, didn't they? Everybody they loved did. It. But everybody loves a bit of bacon. So speaking of the bacon, how is the uh, the master of the slice tonight? <laughs> oh, good, my friend. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just trying to get back to a little bit of normality now. The as you know, we've been having the the roof done. Uh, that work's mm. done, and it's now just into paintbrush and sanding and all that sort of thing. Getting the rooms right again. So you're going to have a black belt. You're going to have a black belt in karate by the end of all of this, because that's how we, <laughs> that's what worked for Daniel Sand, didn't it? Paintbrush and sanding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me tell you honestly, when it comes to DIY in this house, Mrs. Bacon does it. Because she will not let me anywhere near. I am absolute disaster zone. 
You think you, you the stuff I can do when I'm when I'm out and about walking and falling over and all the calamities I have there are pale into insignificance compared to my abilities at DIY. You know what though, you had to be weak at something because you are like the Hoff. So if you're gonna be the Hoff and you're gonna produce the slice, you've got to have like an Achilles heel somewhere. So it's got if it's DIY, it's DIY. It's DIY, mate. I'm very definitely in that um category where if I try something, we pay twice. Once for me to buy the items to do it originally, second time to have somebody come and put it right. I'm in that category. So my category is does it involve a sledgehammer? Because if it involves a oh, sledgehammer yeah. and putting the sledgehammer through it, I'm your man. Oh, I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's knocking things down or lifting everything, I'm all right. It's the well, haven't you got some scaffolding outside, Paul? Gary comes over. You can sort that out for you, mate. Mate, we can we can have a, uh, a pull up competition. I'll do <laughs> one for every every ten Gary does. I'll do one. <laughs> <laughs> I like pull-ups. They're good. <laughs> it's my favourite. Yeah, my body used to like them more. I did. I did have a sneaky go on the front the other day. <laughs> everybody, everybody local was out at work, so I knew I was pretty much the street to myself. Well, next week's Patreon prize will be Paul doing pull-ups. So if you're subscribing and have videos of that, nobody wants that. Oh, I want that. <laughs> right. <laughs> So once we've got past there, uh, I've just got this visual now of like Paul outside his house doing pull-ups with the Rocky music on. In his Baywatch shorts. Oh, in my yeah. Baywatch shorts with my abs painted on. Why not? <laughs> it's, all, it's all descended into chaos, which kind of feels a little bit like what's been going on recently in Orlando. You may not disagree or you might agree with that, but it's been an interesting time, chaps. Um, last three games for me, I would sum them up as Philly, not great. Miami, superb performance. Cleveland, about as bad as it gets. And I was really disappointed. And I think, personally, that was the worst performance of the season. I want to start things on a positive note, even more positive than Paul's pull-ups. So we'll we'll think about the last few games. I'll start with G. Um, what, what positives have you got, G? Well, the win against Miami. First of all, mm. um, obviously, especially that second half, you know, uh, it, it was a two-point ball game, I believe, at the half. Uh, you know, it could have gone one either way, really. Uh, but luckily, you know, the, the boys pulled it out. We saw glimpses of how the team performed in the early part of the season. We had our, you know, uh, original starting five from the beginning of the season, you know, with Markel and then with Wendell, um, Jalen, Franz and Paolo. Uh, they all came to play. And you also saw the firepower from the bench and everybody, you know, doing their role, their bit. Uh, and it, it all came together. Um, so it, it was nice to get, you know, that monkey off the off the back with with a win against Miami, especially, you know, where the seedings are at the moment. Um, I'm not, I'm not even going to mention that Cavs game because, you know, there was nothing positive about it really, was there? You know, we were missing players again. Um and we we've spoken in the in the group chats this week, and you know one of the worst performances we've seen in a very long time. Just glad none of us were out there at the arena to see that particular performance. But you know, just looking at uh, how things are in a, in a larger, bigger picture sort of thing, we're in eighth. We're within striking distance of the two teams in front of us. So that's the Miami Heat and the Indiana Pacers. Um, obviously, Miami took 
a terrible loss last night, and I absolutely loved it to the Memphis uh, G League Grizzlies. Um, so we're what you know they're twenty three and twenty. No, they're twenty four and twenty. We're twenty three and twenty one. They play the Celtics tonight. They play the Knicks and then the Suns. Just looking ahead their schedule, they've got a long road trip, including Milwaukee, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Sacramento, Portland, and Denver. That's quite a tough ask. We've got our two West Coast swings out of the way with. Um, and the other team, obviously, we're chasing the Indiana Pacers. Now, these teams have made moves. We'll talk about this a little bit later on. Uh, they've got the Sixers tonight or tomorrow. Uh, then they've got the Suns. Um, obviously lost four straight. Halliburton, I can't remember if he's back yet, but obviously Siakam's been, uh, you know, moved into the team. Uh, they're probably trying to figure things out. But, you know, we said at the beginning of the season, we were expecting the team to finish, you know, 43, 42, 43 wins. We're on pace for that at the moment. And where we're at at the moment is that January gauntlet, which we spoke about. Um, and you've got to remember, we've had a lot of injuries. Um, we're not quite through, you know, the end of January just yet. We've got a couple more tough games, but we're keeping our heads above water from, you know, the way I see it. We're getting players mm-hmm. back. We're capable of playing magic basketball, as, you know, all the assistant coaches have said at the halftime interviews. Um, and especially that Miami game was, um, you know, uh, the defence, we know how it can play. and We've seen it in in stretches we just need to get that consistency um you know we'll get onto the negatives in a second but um easiest remaining schedule remaining out of the whole league so we're in that position okay we're eighth if we can get to six superb um we'll talk about trades etc in a bit but obviously that'll have uh, some implication but you know shouldn't all be glass half empty um we're better than we were last season and we've seen how good this team can be Fair, a very fair point. I think you've given us the real glass half full of there, geez. Uh, so, Paul, do you want to add anything to what, what uh, Mr. Jones has said? I, I agree um, in that, look, we knew that this part of the schedule that we've just gone through was going to be hard and that we would ultimately see a bit of a drop back um, after what was an incredible start. Probably a start better than we all anticipated. Yeah. We are better than last season. Um, so I'm gonna take that as the positives. But I know I've get I get to do the miserable old man section in a moment. Well, I'd say for you, Paul. Um my view is the Cleveland one was about as bad as it got. Yes. I was a bit annoyed, I'll be honest, watching that. Um instead of going like down a total misery route, we'll try and put a slight positive on it, but what lessons do you think we've learned from that Cleveland game? Because I think there's a lot there. Mate, honestly, I just feel that that whole game, we weren't good enough. And with a couple of days beyond where that game is, I think it's important that everybody comes out of a game, whether you're at the game or whether you're watching it on the screen, and your immediate reactions are quite extreme. And that was as poor a game as I think I've seen us play in quite some time. A couple of days on, I'm not going to overreact to what was um, a defeat to an excellent team. Um, we were on the second night of a back-to-back. But 
there were zero positives to take from it. We were second best in every aspect of that game all night. None of, none of their starters played in the fourth quarter. None of our starters played. That tells you all you need to know about how far the game had gone um, by that point. For me, it was interesting to hear Paolo suggest in his post-game, in one of his post-game interviews, it was kind of a, a indication that the team had got the prep wrong that they hadn't looked, watched the film properly, that they'd looked at names as opposed to, and got wrapped up in that as opposed to looking at, okay, what are they doing? How are they playing this currently? And it was kind of, I, I, in some ways, I, I wonder if we underestimated them without Mobley and Garland. Um, and if that's the case then there is a learning experience which is a positive for a young team that you have to approach every game in the correct in the correct manner you can't have those slips in standards to such an extent that we had in that game um the most frustrating part of it for me and i don't quite understand why but with second night of a back-to-back, going into three, four game, four days without a game, we decided that injury management was the order of the day for Markel and J.I. We needed J.I. We needed something to boost the defence, particularly that second unit who didn't have a good night. And unusually for the Magic this season, the bench was completely outplayed. Uh, by Cleveland's bench. We needed something to fire that bench up and J.I. could have been that person. Equally, in the starting unit or further on in the game when things weren't working out offensively, we could have done with somebody with just that little bit of now some ball handling ability to calm things down, potentially get make a drive or two to the basket and Kel could have been that person. I would have rather seen us give them an even tighter minutes restriction than they have been doing be it 10 minutes just so they could have had that influence on the game uh especially when you're going into a few days without don't get me wrong the club have got far more idea of what these players need but it just felt a little bit odd should we say mm -hmm. had it been that it wasn't a back-to-back -back, but we were playing the following night, they'd have probably been involved. I would rather, I would like to have seen perhaps a tighter minutes restriction. And I think that's that's something that we could have perhaps done with and benefited from. Whether that's um, a learning experience that the team will look at and think mm, we perhaps got that one wrong. I don't know, uh, but they have far more experience than you and I, and that's where they paid the money. We're looking at it from fans and just spouting from some of our frustrations, I suppose. Um, Equally, it's got to be mentioned, as I've just said, that they were without Garland and Mobley and have been since about December the 15th, I think it is. Uh, when they, By the time they left the Kia Centre, they were on a eight-game winning streak. Eight, I know that's yeah, now gone. Eight. Yeah. Um, they were 13 and 3 
so now 13 and 4 in the period without Garland and Mobley. They have found a way to win without two star players. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate they've been fortunate with the schedule because they haven't faced some of the tougher teams. Um, and yes, we did do similar earlier in the season without Markel and without Wendell when we went on our excellent run. However, we just looked in that game to to lack quality. We just didn't have anything going that night. I don't know. It just I don't know what lessons we could take from it. Hopefully it's the prep thing. But we just looked out of sorts. We just looked out of sync. We just didn't seem to have anything to offer. It was lacking lacking energy. Yeah. We've got to do better on the second night of a back to back. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gee, anything you want to add to what Paul's I just think, thrown? I think Paul's hit the nail on the head there about the, the whole prep thing because, you know, you look at how the offence played. Now, you know, we were yeah. playing catch-up a lot of the time. We shot 46% uh, from the field, 38% from three, which are numbers, you know, you could lean on uh, to get a win. But obviously the defence wasn't there. And, um, you know... I was quite disappointed in the guard rotation, especially Jalen Suggs and Anthony Black. You know, they got absolutely annihilated by you know Donovan Mitchell and what Paul said there, Sam Merrill, you know, yeah, absolutely, you know, lights out shooter. And he's in the game just for that. He's absolutely capable. Um, and I just feel like maybe we didn't give him the respect that he deserved. Um so, yeah, a bit disappointed by that. We were killed in the paint. We just playing catch-up, you know. They had double our points for most of the first half, didn't they? And you, you just couldn't see. Um, mm-hmm. Other than, you know, when J- uh, Jeff and David are on the telly talking about the uh, the largest comeback win ever was against the Cavs. And, oh, this is all nicely set up for, for, a, for a comeback win. But, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, other than that, Paul's hit the nail on the head with everything. Um, it's just continuity again. Um, getting the players in at the same time, and, and you know, and these players have played with each other. Black's been in the lineup plenty of times. Um, I don't know, just the offense didn't flow. Um, turnovers again. So, yeah, it was a pretty bad game to be honest. But um, it was just one game. And the other thing is, you know, it, it doesn't make the fact we got three days to stew on it as well. That's pretty bad, isn't it? You know, if we had mm-hmm. Memphis tonight or last night, then um, we could have, you know, got a W under our belts, perhaps, and just felt a bit better about life. I, I think, think. I think. Sorry, Gary, go on. Sorry, sorry, Paul, go on. I think that there's the 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 bonus side of those few days is that they've probably had a lot of time to sit down and look and go, that didn't work. This didn't work. Where did we go wrong? And go back to the film and work through some of those difficulties because we were, we were poor throughout the night. They just seemed to come out and really hit us quickly. And I don't know whether you you talk about a team that was coming in on the back of seven wins with a good road record shooting. We know that we saw in the game in the first game against them this season, that they can be lethal from three. They, they knocked down something like nine of their first 12 against us. Uh, in that first game, we know that they can be lethal, and we just didn't. We weren't at the races, we didn't come out of the locker room, and we're never able to play anything like a game of catch up with them. They were just in front of us consistently and comfortably. 
I think it was a terrible watch. Yeah. Well, this is what you take, Gary. Did you see anything? Uh, my, <clears throat> my big issue with it, I, I think having the time between the game and the pod when we're recording gives you the time to calm down because when I was watching the game, I was just sitting going up. I don't know what this is right now, but this is appalling. It was that I was like genuinely sapping, and this this is that bad. I was like, this is, this is as bad as it's been this season. Um, so I was just reminding myself, well, we are roughly where I thought we would be, which would be around five hundred. So I kind of like grounding myself as I tend to do when something bad happens. I always try to find like a a grounding thing to do. However, um. I think a big part of the problem is, and it's something we're going to have to discuss at some point, is we can't get the continuity because we continually have four players who are probably out injured. Yeah. And I, and it's one of those where you look at the record and it suggests nothing is going to change. You know, like we're looking at it. Um, Mikey phoned me the other night and I said, the 15 minutes we do get from Jonathan Isaac when he's fit, he's actually an all-star level producer in those 15 minutes. <laughs> but that might be 15 minutes. And if it's on a back-to-back, you're not going to see him in the next game. Markel looks as though he's something suffering, like he was when he came in from Philly, which I'm looking at it going, well, is it, how long is he going to be around? Is he going to be shut down or is he going to play through it? But he's missed a lot of time. Gary Harris has barely... He's not even a factor now. I don't even really think about Gary Harris with the magic. He's been missing that much. And I'm preparing myself that if anyone's going to go, it's going to be him. And then Wendell's been pretty injury prone since he's been in the league. So we've got four guys who are capable players, but what drags their value down both to us and to any other team who might want them is they might not play. (laughs) And I think you can carry two of those. Yeah. If you've got two players on the salary that they're on, you can carry two, especially with the talent level of some of those players. But we've got four of them. And all of, think... all of one more injury and your rotations just comp if it's not wrecked already, it's it's in big trouble. You weren't the only Magic fan sitting there thinking this game has told us that we need to make a move. Yeah. Well, that's the next question, really, and it's a simple one, and it's uh before we go into the names that we've had shot across to us, simple question. I'll start with G. Stick or twist? I stick. Might be a bit of a surprise. Um, I think we've seen enough from the players that we've got that when we do have a healthy roster, and this is the issue, this is what I'm not confident about, is the fact that everyone can remain healthy and, and active. Um, so we have that you know, rotation and that bench uh, to come in and play. Um, if I'm making players available the only one honestly i'd be happy to let go would be gary harris uh just because i don't think he's brought anything this season uh last season he was obviously pretty decent from three but you know he's been on the injury list um most of the year very capable but obviously he's um an expiring contract so i'd be lucky to see what we can get for him um he's going to be making about he's making 13 million a season so it, it's a very movable contract. Um, so do you get involved in another trade to get draft compensation or do you you know, make that swing? Or I don't know. We're going to come into a couple of names in a second. Mm. But if I was a GM, I would stick. 
Okay, got the view. The slice, how is it up? I'm leaning towards twist. Simply yeah. because... You, you said it, Gary, perfectly well. We have to decide if Markel, Wendell, Gary Harris and Jonathan Isaac are part of our future. If not, then this has to be the point that we start properly looking around to see what is available. And if something is available to us that moves the needle, I'm not interested in just doing something for the sake mm -hmm. of doing something. I don't want us to just go out and pick somebody up for the sake of appeasing people, making a trade for the sake of it. That's that's a zero benefit. But we have a massive amount of draft capital. Markel is, assuming Markel is one of those names that is on the board, available to go. Markel brings an experience when he is fit, he is still playing at an, at an excellent level. Gary Harris is an expiring contract. Wendell Carter Jr. is on a team-friendly contract. Um, but we've... I'm, I'm moving towards the take a... Not, not take a swing, but do something because we need to. I'm sorry, at an offensive rating of what, low 20s and a field goal percentage of 27% or something like Sorry, not, not field goal percent, but we're 27th in field goal percentage. You've got to do something. You can't, You've defence will win games, but you've got to be able to score as well. You've got to be able to score as well. And I'm not convinced that we are there. That, But that is all tempered by what we did earlier in the season <clears throat> because when people are available we can play at an incredibly good level and we can go out and punch people on the nose and it's 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 all right sitting here saying we want to make a trade like for me an ideal trade would be getting a guard who's a three-level scorer but there aren't that many of them out there who are available for trade because people aren't just going to say okay take our take our guy that's that's not going to work that way it's where you've got to be looking at using some of this draft capital that we've got you've got we've got so much of it um what have we got hang on uh you got two first round picks next year we've got denver's and our own yeah the following year i believe it's just our own i'm going off the top of my head here then the year after, we've definitely got we've got our own for the next we are next forever. We have our own for the next seven years. Uh we've got a top twenty-five, uh, sorry, twenty twenty-five top five protected from Denver. Yeah. Um and then we also have uh the right to swap twenty twenty-six for the least favorable between the Suns and the Wizards. First round. And then we've got 12 second round picks. Which we'll trade for cash. Right. <laughs> get, him, get him out there. Get him out there in, in a deal for me. Yeah. That's, a no, lot. There's, that's it, more young players coming into the team than we ever need. Yes, absolutely. It's Especially, the draft capital is the, the one thing that makes you think, yeah, you know, 
twist. When, when we talk about stick and twist, I'm thinking about the core players, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So like the expendable ones, you know, your salary fillers like your Gary Harris's. And I've got all the salaries in front of me because we, I know we're going to come on to different people now. Um, you know, your Chumo KK, 3.7 million he's going to be included in to make a salary work, isn't he? Joe Ingalls, you know, whilst I, I love Joe Ingalls, he's, you know, I oh know I wouldn't want to trade oh. him, but the fact he's 11 million, you know, and and I think, I can't remember if it was a team option, so we could opt out next year anyway. I think, yeah, I think one of the things that you've got to consider with Joe Ingalls is that he's probably going to have the right to veto anything and will. I mean, if you watched him this week, he's talking about his family. He was already looking at schools, and part of agreeing to come to here was that he's that there was they the right him. facilities available for his boy. Yeah, I yeah. think Joe Ingalls is actually too valuable for to us to move uh, on. You, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. But when we did sign him, it, it was you know 11 million. We might be overpaying, but it's something you could include in a package. Um, and we'll get to the, some of these players now and we'll see if we can make something work. Well, Stuart from Patreon has put in our first um, question regarding this and he wants to know what you'd be willing to give up for Anthony Simons. This guy's very high on Stuart's list. So Portland's Anthony Simons. Paul, we'll start with you and then we'll go over to uh, G who's going to be working the, the calf. What would you do? Get a calculator uh, out, shall I? <laughs> uh, um, I'm happy to offer pretty much whatever Portland are wanting. Whatever the correct value is to get that guy, you can have multiple draft picks and we'll make up salary. Um, I, I think he is a He's a young. He's young enough to fit in with our core. He is somebody that is going to accelerate our rebuild. Twenty-four-year-old uh, is he? I think he's local, like uh, local boy as well. Yeah, uh, I know that his contract is. I did look at this: seventy-seven point seven million for this and the next two seasons. Yeah, twenty-five mm-hmm. mil this season, twenty-five point yep. eight next, and twenty-seven point six, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty-six. Yep. Um, high high volume perimeter shooter, shot creator, ability to play off the ball. Um, and for me, his style of play fits in with. Paolo and Franz. I think he's an ideal foil for Orlando and I'm happy to consider any names going along with plenty of draft picks that aren't called Franz or Paolo. Okay. G, where do you stand on this slide? He he is the one of all the names we've got here. Spoiler alert: he's the only one I'd yeah throw a lot at. I did say I'd stick, but that was me just being a bit conservative. But with the draft capital that we've got, and if we can make the salary work, so you're looking to get twenty five million. So 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 yeah, go on. I'll just read out some of the magic salaries this season, so uh, everyone's got sort of an idea, right? So I'm not going to include you know France and Paolo. Um, I'm not going to include uh, Anthony Black or Jet Howard because you know they're on rookie scale contracts. So Jonathan Isaac's on 17 million. 
Markel Fultz is on 16.6. Wendell Carter is on 12.5. Gary Harris is on 13 million. Mo Wagner is on 8 million. Joe Ingles is on 11. Chuma OKK is on 3.7. Goga Bitadze, I'm only adding him in here because he's 1.3 and you might need, you know, something like that because I think he's played fantastic. And then Cole Anthony's on 3.9. I can't see Cole going either just because of the, um, but again, I'm just adding it in for, you know, uh, purposes here just to see what we could get then done potentially. Like Paul said, I'd throw as many picks as possible because you know what, it's almost like we'll talk about the Miami deal in a second, but um, you're hoping to be in the mid, you know, in the twenties, twenties and above anyway, aren't you in the draft going forward? So, you know, you're going to find a diamond in the rough. It's unlikely, but they do happen. Um, So getting somebody, a local boy like Anthony Simons, who, as Paul said, you know, capable shooter slasher, does a bit of everything. He'd fit absolutely perfect with um, with Jalen in the backcourt with Franz and Paolo. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, Markel's my boy. But if if the deal was there, I think I'd have to seriously consider it. Plus, as well, yeah. if assuming that it was say somebody like Markel, and I'm not deliberately picking on, yeah, him, yeah, yeah, but he probably has a little bit of experience and now to be able to aid somebody like Scoot Henderson in his in his path as he starts down the, the NBA. Um mm. and he's probably somebody that they'd look and go, that's not a bad deal. Because even if we bring him off the bench, you get in you can you can give him a lesser number of minutes where it perhaps then reduces the risk of injury. Mm. It's it's you throw somebody like Markell in with a load of picks and whoever something else just to marry, marry it up, then I think you're starting to see something that would become quite attractive to a team like Portland who are in a mm. rebuild. So, so you look at Portland, though, right? The only issue I've got with so one other thing. So Portland obviously got Malcolm Brogdon as well, and everyone yeah. it's been his name has been mentioned a few times. How injured is that? player how injured is he I wouldn't go anywhere near him just because he's had bad luck with injuries we keep getting players with bad luck with injuries let's just not go there is my is my opinion um and then going back to Portland obviously they've they've got DeAndre Ayton as part of the whole package that you know um is there going to be a poison pill here where you've got to take DeAndre Ayton on with Anthony Simons so that I haven't got his DeAndre Ayton's right. um, salary in front of me so if anyone you've read, that, you've uh, read you've read my mind here, G, because I've actually loaded it when you were talking. I've read it, I've loaded a trade up, and it works under the cap. Great mind, it works under the cap. So, so, so how figured, much is how much is eight and nine? I'll go back to his salary in a second, because okay. um, I'm using real GM trade check just to give it the plug. But um, I think without. It's all fine and well saying about our guys who we've got having talent but being injured. But some other teams got to look at it and say the same type of thing. Well, they've got talent, but they're always injured. So if we want rid of these guys, I think there's a very good chance on the off chance that Portland would say, oh, well, well, Anthony Simons can go to Orlando, that they're going to say with DeAndre in. I think that's what we would have to eat to have an actual shot 
at getting signments. So what worked under the trade check? And I think this would have to include picks because I don't think it's just enough to just say, oh, we'll have Simons. Aiton and Simons come to Orlando. This works under the cap. So what's Aiton? I'm sorry. I'll come back to it because I've got the okay, trade loaded. Yeah. So Aiton and Simons go to Orlando. Fultz, Wendell, Gary Harris, Tuma, Jet Howard, and draft compensation go back the other way. And that works. So you're looking at probably about 50 mil. I haven't got um, Jet Howard. I can't see us including Jet Howard, but you know, it's one of those, so, isn't it? You you might have to throw in Mo Wagner or someone, for example, and then them give you, you know, a player that's three or four million, as opposed to as I can't see us getting rid of Jet Howard. I'm but, just saying you know, that. I, I, yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. I, I, his his name is one that you keep seeing. You know, as you read through these, this trade suggestion and this trade, and then how could how could things be made right? If say somebody like Portland doesn't want picks, how could you make it more attractive by giving somebody like Jet Howard? And his name has cropped up in a couple of things where uh, I've read. Um. I think it's the Brogdon one, particularly that we're going to come on to, where it says that if if the, if Portland weren't interested in the draft compensation, then somebody like a Jet Howard would potentially make that deal interesting to them. Aiton, for context, is in the second year of a four-year, one hundred and thirty-two point nine million dollar contract, and Sorry, he makes Cap the. Hell. 32.4 million this year, which rises to 34, which rises to 35 and a half. Just throwing it out there. Um, but I've put it out there because of all the players that were on that list and all the players who you would reasonably trade, I would say Wendell Carter Jr. has the most value with his contract of those guys. He's more likely to play. He When he's fit, he's a 15, 16 and 10 guy roughly. Um, he's got a value, but I think they would want us to take back DeAndre Ayton. I think that would be the price. I also totally hear, about, I know we've got Malcolm Brogdon on the list. We can't trade one way or another for another injury-prone guy as good as Malcolm Brogdon is. Because um, if, if Brogdon was fit, we wouldn't be having this. No, and there'd be other teams calling as well. Well, Brogdon's not getting traded around like he has no, been. Exactly. If he's fit, because he, he he is the Orlando Magic. Maybe he'll get fit here. Type punt. Yeah. So I, I'm out on Brogdon, and my worry is is the only way we get Simons is to eat that contract, and I'm not sure I want to do that because I, I've every time I've seen it, and he's been appalling. Yeah, and that's salary cap hell then, isn't it? And obviously yeah. the flexibility that we've uh, you know worked so well to have, it's it's a one swing. If Simons doesn't work out then, you're stuck with Aiton for four years. And then if you annoy Paolo and Franz, just saying, then it's a, you know, a big reset again, isn't it? It's certainly a possibility that you've got to consider. Um, and were it the case, it would certainly sour my view on doing that mm. but equally 
taking somebody like a Markel, who is an expiring contract straight away next season, what is it, G, 12 and a half million? Uh, Markel's on 16.6 this year. 16. So mm. straight away, you, you've got an expiring contract. You're gaining that space. And Certainly. you're gaining the space of uh, moving on Anthony Simons, his, his money, where you then do have a little bit more flexibility available to you. So it's giving them about, what, 40 million at that, isn't it? And they gave Scoot Henderson the ball more and a lot more yep. playing time. And and Sharp, don't forget it, because that boy's been playing well. Yeah. But Team yeah, like Sharp. you said, Fultz would be off the books, potentially, if they wanted. Harris would be off the books. Um, yeah. You're giving I, them, you are giving them some flexibility. Yes, absolutely. By sending draft compensation and to earn expiring contracts. Definitely. Definitely giving them some 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 wiggle room. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do it without Aiton. I agree. That's a different question. Yeah. Sorry That's a different say. question to the one that we were so, asked. Yeah, but the question we were asked, what would you be willing to give up? And I know what I'd be willing to give up, but it's what I'd be getting back in what I'm giving up. And I think what will be coming back is DeAndre Aiton. That's my worry. It's not there's like clearly, we're seeing... There's clearly some conversation around that, isn't there? Because... He was quoted as saying this week that I am a max contract player and I will remain to be a max contract player in this league. I am of that, ta- that talent level. So it's clearly something in the air. So am I. Bad analogy, so am I then. Fair enough. Right. Um, next name on the list comes from Barry. Dejounte Murray. What would we give up? The rumours going around last night were two firsts and a starting quality player. So, G, what would you give up for DeJounte Murray? Um, I'd rather not, if I'm honest. Um, mm-hmm. He's a, he's a free agent at the end of the season. He could potentially be had in the summer for next, you know, for, for just for the money and not give up two first-round draft picks. Um I've had a look how much he makes. He makes 18.2 million this season. He's an unrestricted free agent uh, at the end of the season. If you wanted to make it work, you could chuck him Gary Harris, who's coming up a lot, and uh, possibly Tumoro KK. Um, I don't know if that quite works out exactly. So, you know, worst case, uh, you might have to just sling him something else. Um, if you're giving one draft pick up, you know, we've got a lot of them. Um, and you get the commitment from him that he wants to stay. Uh, is he friendly with Paolo now? But we've seen his antics in the Summer League. Um, we were trashing him um, mm-hmm. when he when he was, you know, spinning the ball on that poor guy's head and, you know, mm-hmm. just being a bit of a clown, wasn't he? Um, now, all of a sudden, he's had two game winners against us, a game winner against Miami. He's been playing well recently in fairness to, to the, uh, to the player. Um, but I don't think he is a, he's the fit that the magic like uh, in terms of personality. Um, so I don't think we'll go anywhere near him. Um, but obviously there's rumors of him going to New York, Los Angeles, a couple of other places, the, t- the teams you generally find are rumored to be, uh, you know, interested in every every player. Your Miamis, your mm. Lakers, your, your Knicks, your Celtics. Um, 
So for me, he's a, he's a good player. Um, I don't know if I'd go for him, to be honest with you. But if we did, it, it'd be a bit of a statement, you know, that we're serious, but um, it's no for me. Okay. Paul, where do you stand? We need spacing. We need shooting. And we need someone who can help organise the offence. He fits that need pretty well. I think he shoots the three at about 39%, something that rate I was reading. Um, if that behaviour that we saw in Summer League has been tempered, then I think he could be a very good fit. Um I did look back because we'd want it we'd potentially be wanting him as a more of a starting point guard role. Um in San Antonio, when he was the starting point guard, he averaged 21.1 points, 8.3 rebounds, 9.2 assists, and two steals per game. That was in 2021-22 season, and that was the last time he was a starting point guard playing in that position. That is the first option, though, isn't it? Yeah, but that's what yeah. that's yeah. if he was coming to us, so, surely that's what he would be. So because that was for San Antonio, sorry, was it? That yeah. was for San Antonio in the 2021-22 season, and then he went to Atlanta. He's playing for um, Popovich there, he's, which is the best coach in the league. Yeah. But you've got to be honest, those figures as a starting point guard are superb. They are superb. And on the contract level that you're talking about there, G, um, mm-hmm. that's got to be something worth considering. But be then you mo- don't know what he wants in, in the off-season. That's Absolutely. the issue. Absolutely. But we do have some flexibility. We do have mm. some availability. Um, it, I think it also it would be a bit of a statement to Paolo and Franz that we are serious about trying to make some progression. Uh what you're you looking at, Markel Fultz, I get um, a foot next year's first round pick uh, with the Denver pick. Some some protection, perhaps on the on our pick for next year, top ten protection or something of that nature. Uh, I think I I think you could probably, if you want to, chuck in a couple of the seconds. I think he's very very gettable. And I think after that interview that he had when he scored the winner on us, we're clearly a team that he wouldn't just ignore as an option. Uh, yeah, I, I think he, I think he's a he's a good fit for what we need. I do have some concerns in the same way as you guys were talking about. But I think he's a. I do think he's an absolutely excellent fit, and I think he uh, he addresses some of our real needs. And so Paul, you, that, those figures got him an All Star selection, by the way, in San Antonio. Remember that? Yeah. I don't think the Magic are going to sign off on his character. Not the Palo thing. I think the Palo thing, I said it last before, I think the Palo yep. thing was all a publicity stunt. 
I think it's more along the lines of what he did in the summer league. He's available as a free agent anyway. I don't see us giving up anything in like terms of draft quality to bring somebody in who could walk unless it's like a thing with like Siakam where it's already agreed before he comes over. I, so I think that you probably I think you look at our front office, mate, and they wouldn't go in to the position without having done due diligence and knowing that he's going to commit. I'd be surprised. Um, and I also think the starting quality player would be a starting quality player who's healthy. I think we've always got to come back to that. Starting quality player means a player who's going to start games. As in, they're going to be there regularly and... Murray seems to be a guy who does that. They want somebody who's going to play. So the talent's there, but they've got to be able to play basketball. But I'm interested in the shooting aspect because the name we've got on the list is Buddy Heald. And it's sometimes out there and it's sometimes, why would Indiana do this? Paul, I'll go to you with Buddy Heald because you said you want to start, you know, like a shooter, one of the best shooters in the league, if not the best shooter in the league. Would you take a stab at Buddy Heald? Oh god, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, what are you looking at? He's a uh, 18.5 million contract. Sorry, um, yeah, I've got nineteen point three down, mate. But yeah, okay. so half a million either way. We'll not argue about yeah. five hundred. No, 000. no, no, no. <laughs> uh, decent points, shooting pretty well from the three. Uh. He is definitely veteran experience, good for us. Uh, he's been coming from the bench in Indiana, but he does have experience as a starter, so he he's perfectly capable of doing that. And I think that you could get him relatively cheaply. Uh, one I saw, um, bear with me, one I saw, here we go, just on the salary, f- sorry, Paul, to interrupt. Eighteen point five is his base salary, and nineteen point three is is the cap hit. So, right. yeah, yep. Uh, suggestion is that Gary Harris and Tumor OKK plus the twenty twenty five second rounder from Denver would be enough. That's not second rounder, is it? Denver's second round. It says second round. Denver's his first. It might as it's well be, rounder, isn't it? Might as well be. Blades first. Going yeah, yeah. I was say I didn't think it was second round. I think that's a misprint. Uh, that's what it's reading here. But I thought that was a first round pick. So they're suggesting that those three, Harris, Akk, and the Denver pick, would be good enough to get him. The guy's got talent. The guy's av- if he's available. I don't have a problem on somebody who is what is he thirty one. Thirty, yeah, he's thirty-one. He's thirty-one. I don't have a problem on that. I think there's you've got a, a few years there, uh, and somebody who could impact for this team, and ultimately as well, yeah, he's thirty-one. But in a couple of years, in a few years' time, if you are moving, if you if you keep holding him, if he's somebody who fits and he becomes a glue guy, he's somebody who can be that player who is the voice of experience off the bench equally uh, uh, yeah I would have no problem with going with him G 
he's an unrestricted free agent. So again, you'd have to have some sort of commitment you'd bring him back. But when he was his name was touted about in the summer, I believe the reason Indiana put him on the trade block is because he wanted in excess of 20 mil next couple of years in his next contract because it was his big contract. I don't know. I know he's a good player. I know he's a warrior. He doesn't miss games. He shoots a three well. And I could see the benefits. I, I, I don't know. I'm at 50-50-50 in terms of bringing him in um, just because I think the summer after next, we can make a bigger splash with a more key piece. So my, my thing is maybe about being been, a bit more patient. Hasn't that but, been what we've been hearing from New, from New York constantly? Oh, we've got the availability this summer to go out and make a big splash and nobody comes. No, I get that. Yeah, yeah. And we've got the most cap space out of anyone at the moment. So for, for at this some season. point, yeah, you've for got me, it. at some point, you've got to make a move. You've got to do something. Because I, we just... And, I think Simon's would be a better move because of his I, age. And I agree, um, I, mate, I, But he so does fit a, fit a, uh, an absolute yeah a need that that we require. Um, but the fact Indiana willing to just sort of you know, toss him aside, but um, I don't know. He, he's a good he's a good player, I, but I I wouldn't pay twenty two twenty three million for him my, myself. But I'm no GM, Gary. My my thing would be on this that he's obviously going to command big bucks for uh, a shooter who's going to be present. He's going to maybe give you seventeen points a game, sixteen points a game. Mm. Very average defense, but a big salary coming his way. Would he become in the Magic fans' eyes then Evan Fournier? Be like Clay Thompson as well. well I'm surprised. I'm surprised that people haven't actually asked us to talk about. Um, Evan Fournier coming back because that keeps getting mentioned, doesn't it? Along uh, with RJ, uh, I keep seeing names people asking on yeah. Facebook. Should we make a move for RJ Hampton? What? No, 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 no. no I, I think I, I like, I like, I like Buddy Hield. I do like him, and he ticks every box. But I just feel that if he came in and he's slightly out of sync with age, and he commands a bigger contract. And how he plays the game. If he was like the third option, is he really a third option at the money he might command? So I, I don't know. It's the obvious one, but it's not that obvious at the same time for me. So I'll probably say it depends on what his contract is that he wants. But if, mm. I've got a feeling Indiana are trying to move it for a reason. We're out on Malcolm Brogdon. So I'm going to come to G with this from uh, Liam. And he's, he says he wants to know. And we suspect it's for the crack, but I think this is going to be a yes from UG. Would the Magic on a buyout take Kyle Lowry? Four words. Over my dead body. <laughs> no way, Pedro. <laughs> I could pass that answer. He, he's washed. <laughs> I on, could Paul, have, you have I, it. I could have the answer, but we'd have to bleep it. <laughs> Let's just say that the second word is off. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a quote in from the Miami Heat spaces that is ski mask hall of fame for the deal he did in Miami on. That's all I'm gonna say. Paul, sorry. <laughs> I, I I I wouldn't want us to go anywhere near 
I'm going to say this. I'm not bothered about seeing Kyle Lowry ever on a basketball court again. I've never liked him and I never will like him. And I hope that that is never seeing him in a magic shirt. Well, apparently DeMar DeRozan wants to bring him to Chicago because they've got a roster spot and uh, bring his running mate back from Toronto days. It's the rumour. I know you. I know UK Chicago Bulls wasn't happy. Feel free. So, I'm just uh, coming back I'm to yield. Picturing just... all of us sat in number seven jerseys, <laughs> not Joe Ingles. No. Sorry, God, but uh, twenty. He's playing, but he healed. I, did, I wanted to say this. He's playing twenty six minutes and only an averaging twelve point seven points and shooting thirty eight point nine from the three. I think you could get Sam Merrill th- in for yeah, a I'm lot say, cheaper. I think, there's, I think there's other options for less yeah. money, personally. Yeah, I'm interested in him, but if he wants a big pay payday, mm. then no, that's that's but, not the man. Yeah, I mean, you, you, Grayson Allen, he's another cheap one. Luke Kennard, could we see a Gary Harris, Luke Kennard swap? You know, they're like for like. Both, I think they're both free agents. Um, I think you know we were talking about last season. I'd love Luke Kennard on a team. I don't think he's having a great season this year. His defense is a little bit sketchy, but you put him in the corner. Um, and he'll knock down a three ball. He always kills us. Um, so if we do do a deal, a deal I, I can see it being a, a very minor deal like that, a Harris for a Canard. About we'll Alex first. Well, he kills us as well. It'd be one less uh, magic killer out there, wouldn't it? He's uh, another expiring contract. So you could swap him for Gary Harris. Job done. Yeah. But you know these unrestricted free agents. You know a lot of them coming up in the off season. Um, I pulled together a list actually of ones that you know might be attainable. Uh, you know you're not you're not your top level ones. You know your OG Ananobis have got to obviously got to deal with the Knicks etc. Um, Buddy Heald, Mike Conley, Bruce Brown, Lonzo Ball. Oh, he's injured. They got Evan Fournier, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Gary Trent Jr. It wouldn't be a bad shout. Um, Contavious Colwell Pope, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Tyus Jones, Malik Monk, Victor Oladipo. Okay, injured, but we've seen what he could do. Um, Nick Claxton, Isaiah Hartenstein. All decent, you know, and we've got a lot of money to spend in the offseason. So I can't see how trading, you know, doing a big, big splash. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about these trades in a second anyway, so I won't go into it too much. Another name that could be attainable, allegedly, is um, Red Velvet, Kevin Herder. He's another one that's just like um, uh, Canard for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. yeah, Just a straight swap. Change of scenery, does it work? His name's been I'd, thrown out. I'd, I'd be happy with him. Okay. Yourself? Right, just depends who it's for. Gary Harris. You know, well, he doesn't do anything, does he? <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm, not, I'm not being awful, but he he's sat on the bench at the minute and he's eating up a, a fair section of our salary cap. So, what do you want? Do you want somebody who's actually going to be able to put the uniform on and do something? Like this is the problem. Yeah. We've got we've got we've permanently got two guys on eating up salary room who are whoever it is. 
sitting on the bench injured. We, we can't put a whole team together. You know, you put the team together, you get 70 games out of Gary Harris, then you, you're quite happy with him because he does that job for you. But he hasn't been fit really consistently since he got here, especially for me, he hasn't because he's he, Denver got rid of him because of the injury. Yeah. That's, you know, like, then we've spoken about one part of Atlanta. What about Trey Young? He's your three-level scorer. What about Trey annoying, Young? It, can you imagine watching Trey Young every game and then watching him go to the free-throw line and flop? Oh, my God, this is going to be recorded and used, isn't it, when we trade from... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, was it, um, was it Magic HQ had got one on? They've done a list of trades, and that's one on theirs uh, that I thought was interesting. Trey Young, uh, we get him, and the Hawks receive Wendell Carter Jr., Chumero KK, Gary Harris, Caleb Houston, uh, twenty twenty eight first round pick, and twenty thirty first round pick. I don't think that's enough to to get him. I, I, don't, I think I think you're way I don't, off. They're way off. I don't. I don't think that's enough. Yeah, I think I think they want at least four first round picks there for Trey Young. Yeah, I think you've got to throw more. Draft capital in there, yeah, without a doubt. Agreed. Agreed. But he'd be fantastic, and he, you know, as a point guard role, how many open shots would he get? You know, with the attention Paolo and Franz get, it'd be very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. I assume none of us are interested in a Zach Levine. No, no. Never injured no, player. Never injured player. Not for me. Not for me, Clive. We spoke about Schroeder last time, didn't we? Yeah. It's a no. It's a no. So we've got the trades out of the way. Paul, you put a question in our WhatsApp group last night. I did. And I'm going to let you have the first go at it. Um, Chet Holmgren's killing it for OKC. Is this a real rivalry between him and uh, Paolo? I think it has the makings of a really good rivalry. If the media can pick up on it, both both are on young teams, expecting to become a contender. Obviously, OKC are clearly some way further along that road than we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, both from the same draft, one and two, and all the drama that there was within that draft. Chet is deservedly getting a hell of a lot of attention this season, as is Wemby in that competition for Rookie of the Year. Paolo put up a ridiculously excellent rookie season and got zero attention, as we've discussed on many, many occasions. I think that for Paolo, there is kind of that opportunity when going against Chet, uh, possibly, I mean, we've not seen... We've not we've not seen not played the Spurs, have we? So going against not yet, no, Wemby no, as well. No. I think there is that motivation for Paolo to ramp it up in those games to just give the media a, a shout of "Hello, I'm here too." This isn't any disrespect or hate on either Chet mm-hmm. or Wemby Armour. Mm-hmm. It's more a case of looking in uh, it's, uh, a a rallying call on Paolo that he's here too and deserves that attention. 
And I think that's where that rivalry could come from to show there's there's always going to be questions as who should have gone one or two in that draft. And I think it could be a good it could be a good rivalry between the two. Yeah, I think there's a a friendly rivalry brewing. Because clearly there's respect between the two of them. Chet's got a hell of a uh, an advantage though in being the second option to Shigil just Alexander. Oh God, mate! Yeah, that's what I say. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're clearly further got... along the line than we are because of having that all-star player. Mm-hmm. So, what it, it, about it, you two? Do you think there's a rivalry? I don't think I there's think a rivalry it's... yet. Sorry, guy, you go. No, you go on, G. Um, it's it's got the makings of. I just think they need to put us on national television a bit more. Obviously, we've got the national television game. Uh, I think it's it February. You mean 12th, that one you'll be there for, mate? Yeah, that one in two and a half weeks' time, which would be superb. But obviously, you know, they need to showcase a bit more Paolo and build it up because they've played each other once. We had a beat-up roster. We hung around with them. But unless you, you know, you play them often, you play them on national television, I don't think they can sort of build it up enough, you know, just on the local broadcasts. Um, And the fact that, you know, Chet didn't play last season, Paolo did, um, and you know, whatever he's having a fantastic season, Chet. Um, but it could be one in the making, and obviously, chapter one's in, in less than three weeks' time, so hopefully, it is chapter one, two, mate. Chapter two, we've already played them this season, haven't we? Yeah, but it was on an uh, on a local broadcast, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Sorry. Oh, sorry, and you it, mean chapter one as he's on the on national TV, yes. yeah, I national television, mate. and they could you know start building it up and you know get in Oklahoma against Orlando every season or something to that effect yeah. just just to build it up because we obviously haven't had any exposure um you know recently uh, and and we really should because you know how many times the spurs have been on the raptors have been on and to be honest nobody wants to watch them do they so there's obviously been lots of moves starting to either be rumored or in some cases heating up and happening we had the raptors and Knicks trade that's happened and then the most recent one is miami getting a hold of Terry Rozier. Um, Doc Rivers is back off the market. We know that, and we're going to come to that in a moment, our former coach. But, G, I just want to come to you first. Uh, you're a big fan of the Heat culture. What's your thoughts on the uh, Miami-Charlotte deal? Oh, my God. Heat culture. What a joke. Um, I mean, listen, I don't like it. If I was a Miami fan, I know they're all excited. They they were all very pumped yesterday at whatever the, their arena's called now when they hosted the G League Memphis Grizzlies and lost. Um, Terry Rozier made his debut. Um, he was having a great season, 22 points, three rebounds, six assists, 45% from the field, 35 from downtown, uh, which were career numbers. Um, so obviously they gave up Kyle Lowry in a first-round pick in 2027, I want to say off the top of my head. Um I I can't see how this changes much for for Miami. Um, you know, Lowry wasn't having a good season. In fairness, uh, he gives you a bit more of an offensive punch. Um, they're still a little bit live by the three, die by the three. Hero Robinson, um, you know, Bam Adebayo do what he does. Jimmy will turn up when he turns up. Um, his contract is 23 million this season, 25 the following, and 26.6 the year after. And when he comes an unrestricted free agent, by that point, he'd be 31. 
So his salary alone will eat up into 17% out of Miami's total salary. And we know Jimmy Butler is going to be on about 50 million at that point. So they're going to be in cap hell. Um, I don't, like I said, I I don't think it moves the needle that much. Um, I still think they'll possibly get into the first round and get bounced. We've seen a lot of teams make moves. Uh, but I don't think this one puts them over or makes them any more competitive than what they could have been, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. don't know about you. I think it's a, a move that benefits them and maybe gets them into the playoff spots in the East, perhaps this season. Longer term than that, it could be a problem. I do think it, just from a personnel standpoint, Rosier right now is a lot better than Kyle Lowry. Yes, he is. So they've got more score and punch. I think this season it helps down the line. The cap might kick in, but this season it might it might give them the boost to get beyond the playing. That's kind of where I'm seeing it at. So that's but, one but, move. But they're not going to beat right. Philly or Milwaukee or um, whoever else is in the third spot, Boston. It's unlikely. It's it's unlikely. Like what they have got is is they've got a great coach. Yes, that's what they have got, and it brings me to our next point because Milwaukee's in a funny position because they've really not got any tradable assets beyond their two stars. I think we've seen a bit of a decline in Chris Middleton, so they've moved in the one area that they could move for me, and that is they've brought Doc Rivers in to be the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, our former coach. Paul, um, what do you think about this? Um, At this moment, I'm not convinced. Uh, It's clearly been a loss of the locker room, by all accounts. Um, The Bucks are already paying out a lot of money to uh, former coach Mike Bullenhoser. They're now paying Mr. Griffin and have offered a very, very lucrative contract to Doc Rivers. I'd have gone back as well. I'd have come off of ESPN to, uh, for that money quite happily. Um, Doc has, has, been, has been a top coach without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1,860 wins, 1,097 losses. Uh, but in the postseason, it's 215 wins and 111 losses. But he was fired last year by the Sixers after they fell in the in the conference semifinals for the third year. He's had a plethora of talent in Boston. Well, I suppose with us, to be honest, with us, Boston, the Clippers, and then in Philly. Mm. And you've got, what is it, one one championship? He's got a championship with Boston. Just with Boston. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, 2008, I believe. Yeah. Uh, So does it... Does he is he the right man? Is he gonna get them to back to that championship winning level? I know that they had to do something because clearly the the chemistry wasn't there. They uh 
but I'm surprised that he has been seen as in this in the league at present that he is seen as the guy to take the job. Um, I kind of expected them to go a different way, and it was. I mean, I was surprised at the second in the first place, but I kind of expected them to go a, a different way to a more, what's a better phrase, more modern coach. Not necessarily somebody who is un, untested, but has a hasn't been as around as many years. Has got a more modern attitude, and is. I, I wonder if you're going to get that. Doc strikes me as being a man he likes to be in charge. He he wants to be in charge. I don't think he necessarily wants the star to be leading the way. And I'm not it's, sure that in the modern game that is always going to be the case. Should it's a weird one though, because you could you could argue and say did Kevin Garnett run his locker room for him when he got yeah. that one title? And I think I was saying to G about this. They should have got Nick Nurse in the summer. I said it at the time. Mm. They should they, they should have got Nick Nurse. Like he annoys me, but they should have got Nick Nurse. Oh yeah. And there's a it's huge saying a more modern coach. Yeah. There's a huge red flag here, Paul. There's a massive red flag for me. And the red flag is it's not what's just happened. It's why did Terry Stotts just get him walk out? Terry Stotts was an assistant coach in Milwaukee and he walked out in October. And he previously was a head coach. Yeah. So why does a guy who's been a, you know, a playoff level head coach, wouldn't say he's elite, but he's a playoff level head coach, just leave a contender like the Bucks after he's agreed to go there as an assistant? Because they haven't looked right all season. You've equally got um, this, is, and this is where I'm going with the the, the being led by the star power. And I understand that mm. it's a players' league. It yeah. is a players' league. But the previous guy, Bud, was criticised in the playoffs for not playing Giannis in putting him up against, was it Butler? Not, yeah, not giving him minutes going against they? Jimmy Butler. And, it, and he was blamed there for that loss as a result. One of those people who was very vocal about that was Giannis. Um, it's I I think that you need your star player to be on board with the team, but there also has to be that hierarchy of this is the coach, you are the player. <laughs> I'm I will listen to you on tactics, but ultimately this has to be my decision. Yeah. You know, uh, but that's no longer the way, is it? Let's be honest. No, that's a that's an old guard view here. Sign LeBron and let him coach them. Hey, give you? give Giannis the money, let him coach him. He'll be happy. Yeah, it's going that way. Hopefully, it's not something we're having to think too much about. Hopefully, Mosley just develops Paolo and Franz into a winning culture with none of the drama because we don't want to see that. I'm pleased that they didn't come knocking on our door. I'm exactly the same. I thought of that. I think I've put it in the group chat as well. You only have to look 
he watched every game of the Magic. And at some point, an opposition player or multiple opposition player has stood having a friendly conversation with our coach. He is clearly highly respected throughout the league. And you look at where he's going, what he's doing with our team. He does have the potential to be a very, mm -hmm. very good coach in this league. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we have patience and allow him to develop. Fingers crossed. Really quickly then, we're going to just go around the table. Paul, you've been really big about this um, in your pre-games. Basically, the, the halfway point of the season has yeah. been reached. Quick midterm grading. I'll start with G. What's the midterm grade for the Magic from Wales? Um, I go B plus. Obviously, we had a decent start, sixteen and seven. We've gone seven and fourteen since. We've had that January gauntlet, which we're ne nearly out of. We've played two West Coast road trips. We've had injuries. We need continuity. Uh, but end of the day, where you know where we're where in and about where we thought we'd be, if not better. And at the end of the day, we've got what the third youngest roster in the whole NBA. So um and we're in the playoff spot at the moment, uh, be it a playing spot, but um no, content, I think the word is. Content Welshman. So Paul, where we at? Right, we were all saying that the first quarter was clearly an A. We've dropped back, as I think some, most of us have expected, as G's alluded to. We've had certainly the injury issues. I would go with a B, um, without a doubt. We're we're still at over 500. We're sat in the eighth position. Uh, the toughest part of the schedule is over on paper. And the defence on most nights looks unplayable. It's, yeah. it's incredible what we can do to teams. The If in the second half of the season we can address the offensive inefficiency and ineffectiveness and some of the turnovers that we've been having, then we are in a really, really good place. But yeah, I'm going with B. Okay, well, it's three Bs. And I would say I'll give it that because we're doing over the season what we would have expected us to do. You know, Brown about the eighth seed is where we expected to be. We're doing what it says on the tin. So for me, that's solid expected performance. So I'll give it a B. Still um, growing. Still growing, aren't we, mate? Yeah, like I think the, the the lash out is if I think too much about the Cleveland game, but I've got to put that out there and say, what about the season as a whole? So for me, right now, we're where we expected and hoped to be. Should we say that Cleveland was a growing pain? As we are growing, yeah. it was a growing pain. Let's be nice about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just when I was, like, like all of us were just sat there going, I can't believe what I'm watching here. But it, it's it gone now. So I'm not going to it. So obviously, I watched it first. Then Paul started watching. He was giving me a commentary of how he was going. And I was like, do I tell him just to save his life and just don't watch it? And then you started watching. I was like, oh, I want to say something, but I better not. <laughs> I said plenty of things. Thankfully, no, but there was no microphones in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Boys, that's going to do it for this week. But before we go, we've got a quick shout out for our incredible support that we get from Barry Con, Paolo and Franz Warmth, Ollie Law, Gary Clark, Angus Craig, Dylan Holden, Alan Kane, Tom Sohn, Mark Joss, Sean Moore, Liam Radbone, Andy Lindley, Stuart Benzies, and Drum, Drum, Drummy, Drum, Drum. I think I've got that right. Um, obviously, this is all on Patreon. Um, we have three tiers available. Varying benefits. So if you visit patreon.com let's slash let's talk magic, you can join today and see what's available. If you enjoyed our episode, give it a thumbs up. That will be on YouTube. Do hit subscribe. Don't forget to set the notification buttons. Leave us your comments, reviews, or questions on any platform which is available. And we'll try to interact, especially on YouTube. Uh, can you share this with other magic fans? It helps the show grow. That's what we need. And like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, X at underscore Let's Talk Magic. So it's a thank you for listening. Let's get the season back on track. From G, from the slice, and from myself, go magic. <laughs>